Hey everyone, today is special. Um, I don't know how many days it is. I think it's over 600 days ago, middle of March, 2020, we, I sat down in front of a camera and gave a sermon for what I thought would be one or two times. And here we are, I think 20 months later. Um, but we think that today is the last time we're doing this. Um, so we've got just kind of a short kind of Thanksgiving-esque message for you. No worship, no uh, special prayers or communion or anything. I just want to offer you um, kind of a story from, from Jesus and, and maybe a, a thought that you can head into Thanksgiving week with and maybe the rest of your life. And then next Sunday, we'll put the date on here, we will have our open house at the um, building that we're going to be worshiping in for the next year at Grace Northridge. If you missed that announcement or you didn't get our email that we sent out, I apologize. Um, we obviously didn't have your email if you didn't get it. But we are going to um, start meeting weekly starting December 5th on Sundays in person at 11.15 a.m., a little bit later than we normally have done. Um, but I know you, you guys show up at 11 anyway when we would do 10.30, so not a big deal. And we will, um, we're working on being able to do a live stream uh, from their sanctuary. So um, this will be the last kind of pre-recorded sermon, we think. So uh, let's pray and I'll share kind of what is on my heart for us today. Father, thank you for being faithful to us in the midst of a very weird and hard season. And Lord, we know that pain and suffering still persists, but we thank you for answering our prayers and giving us um, a sister church that has opened her doors and her resources to us for free uh, for a year so that we might be able to meet on a weekly basis. God, I thank you for them, and I pray that you would be with us in this transition. You'd be with us as we continue to seek first your kingdom. God, I pray you'd open our eyes and our ears and our hearts today as we contemplate the importance of having gratitude. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, as we uh, are staring down, as I um, am recording this, uh, Thanksgiving is in a week. If you're hearing this on the weekend that it's intended, Thanksgiving is in a few days. Maybe you're listening to this, Thanksgiving's past. Regardless, right now, um, we're kind of staring down the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, what I would like to share is, is how easy it is to really overlook and miss the important nature of gratitude. And in particular, um, not just with like every, with all the little things which are, is helpful to do, but um, how, often it's, how often we can go to grumbling and complaining or cynicism or pessimism um, when in reality the kingdom of heaven is breaking in. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna go to Luke Chapter 17, this is one of my favorite stories from Luke. No surprise, Luke's my favorite gospel. Uh, we've talked about that. We just named our third son after Luke, uh, the physician. So um, there's this incredible story of Jesus cleansing 10 lepers. Luke 17, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance, kind of, socially distancing. 
and lifted up their voices. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well, which is a, a, a tie back to verse six where, where Jesus says, if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. So this kind of story connects with Jesus talking about faith and the faith of a mustard seed. If we keep reading in verse 20, it says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Hear the word of our Lord. This is a fascinating story to me um, for a couple of reasons I'll just quickly note. Um, in, in other cases, Jesus, um, when he has healed people with leprosy, he touches them. And, and in those stories, what I love about that is, is it's really the, the reverse of what most of us experience. Now, like in our experience, when we have clean hands and we touch, uh, say, something that's dirty, like that's muddy, um, the, the clean gets infected with the unclean, right? Uh, it's obvious. This is just how life works. Like when in our life, when a clean thing touches an unclean thing, the, un the, the clean thing becomes unclean, right? But with Jesus, it's, it's the opposite. His cleanliness is greater than the uncleanliness. And so when Jesus touches lepers, the unclean thing becomes clean, right? So instead of Jesus getting infected with leprosy, the leprosy gets infected with Jesus. And, and I, I love that. It's kind of hard to articulate because of words, but, but in Jesus... When the clean thing touches the unclean thing, the unclean thing becomes clean. That's a love that, right? It's like the picture of the gospel. But what's fascinating is in this case, Jesus doesn't touch. It's not because he's scared of touching. I don't know why, but he chooses to say, go and present yourself to the priest, which you would only do when you were clean. So these lepers are not clean, and yet the clean one told the unclean people to go and present themselves to the priest as if they're clean. They're not, but they do it anyway. And as they go, they're healed. They're healed, they're, they're healed in their going. Um, they didn't wait to go when they were healed. They went, and as they went, God healed them, which is amazing. But one of them comes back and says, thank you. There were 10 who were socially distancing, but only one of them came back and said, thank you. And Jesus points out, or Luke actually points out for us, that that person was a Samaritan, uh, which if you're a first century Jew, there was lots of ethnic prejudice against Samaritans for their theology, how they thought about God, but also their ethnicity. And Jesus says, hey, we're not 10 cleansed, we're the nine. Um, uh, was no one found to return and give praise to God except, and Jesus is highlighting for them, that the one person who did come and say thank you was a foreigner. He's like really like putting this in front of, of, of the Jews. And he says to, 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 to this Samaritan leper, your faith has made you well, rise. And then the Pharisees, that the religious leaders who are around, ask this question. They, they say, uh, when, when is the kingdom of God going to come? 
which is really fascinating and hilarious to me because the kingdom of God just broke in. Like Jesus just healed 10 lepers without touching them. And yet they ask, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Um, and so you see the kingdom of God breaking through in a physical, tangible way. And then you see the kingdom of heaven breaking through in a social way. Jesus is not just healing the 10 lepers and dealing with their physical stuff. He's also dealing with the social um, prejudices that they have between the Jews and the Samaritans. And, and, and you see the kingdom of God coming in and going, hey, and he's like highlighting this foreigner is the one who said thank you. What about the others? No, it was the foreigner. So you see the kingdom of heaven, not just coming in physically, but it's coming in socially. And then it's coming in spiritually. The kingdom of heaven breaks in spiritually. And, and it says like, hey, your faith has made you well. And, and there's this measure of faith being grown and planted and imparted in this Samaritan former leper. And like literally we see the kingdom of heaven breaking in to heal, breaking in to try to heal the, the, uh, the ethnic prejudices, and then breaking in spiritually. And Jesus is right there and the Pharisees miss it. They miss it. And they say, when's this kingdom coming? And Jesus says, the kingdom is not coming with signs to be observed, even though I would say, isn't the healing of this leper a sign? Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. In other words, the kingdom is not coming with these like massive things. Jesus says, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So, like, can you just sit with that for a moment? The, they, the, like the kingdom of heaven just broke in in various forms, like tangibly, socially, spiritually. Jesus himself is the kingdom walking around in sandals. Jesus is the personification of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is what you get when the kingdom of heaven gets its way. And they're talking to the king. They're talking to the person of the kingdom, and they miss it. They entirely miss it. And he says, no, 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 you, the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. I just healed 10 lepers without touching them. I'm working at, at trying to bring a light and remove your ethnic prejudices you have against the Samaritans. I'm, I'm here building and authoring faith in this foreigner. The religious, the Pharisees, they have no eyes for it and they grumble and they complain. And in this passage, we see this contrast between um, really gratitude from this foreigner and grumbling and complaining and arguing with the religious. There's an incredible quote by uh, Meister Eckhart, I think from the 1300s, if I have that right, I'm not sure. But this is what Meister Eckhart said. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Think about that. If the only prayer that you ever pray to God, ever, is just the simple prayer, thank you, that'll be enough. I, I really struggled with, like, really? Like, not forgive me, not save me. Meister Eckhart, 700 years ago, theorized, 
that the only prayer that is really like at the end of the day necessary is the prayer of gratitude to God. This kind of makes sense when you look at the library of scripture, especially in um, like the Old Testament in Psalm 118, there, there's so many psalms that just talk about give thanks to the Lord for his good, his steadfast love endures forever. And, and the psalms are, are always calling us to give thanks to God, to share gratitude. This was one of Israel's failures. They spent 40 years in the desert grumbling and complaining, really failing to express gratitude to God for delivering them out of slavery in Egypt. You think God takes uh, ingratitude very seriously. He takes grumbling and complaining very, very seriously. I don't remember who said it, but someone once said that the dominant feature of our American society and culture is disappointment. Sit with that. Disappointment is the kind of dominant feature of our society. Think of how many commercials or advertisements are about upgrading from what you currently have, like especially like around cell phones, like as if this one isn't good enough. You gotta upgrade to the next, oh, it's got an S after it, I need that. Cable packages always need to be upgraded. I remember there was a DirecTV campaign a while ago and um, I think Beyonce was in it and was talking about upgrading and, and just upgrading your cable. We upgrade our cars, some people upgrade their neighborhoods, their schools, upgrade their wardrobe, their physical appearance, some people try to upgrade their spouse. Like we're, we're constantly in this upgrade mode and, and, and I, I think whoever said this about the dominant feature of, of the, the American culture is one of disappointment is, is true. I mean, as we are heading towards the holidays, maybe we can notice just the craze to get more stuff and has the stuff we got last year, are we disappointed from? Yeah, we quickly move on from things. If you have small children, you know you buy a gift on Christmas and like then maybe a day, maybe a week goes by, then they're on to something else. Philippians 2 is an incredible New Testament passage for many reasons. One of these is very practical. Um, there's the, the, like the great poetry of that Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but you know, um, that he humbled himself and became um, obedient to death, even death on a cross, you know that. And if you keep reading in verse 14 of Philippians 2, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or complaining or do all things without grumbling or questioning, or do all things without grumbling or arguing. And, and it's fascinating that in this prison, this Roman prison cell that Paul is in, as he writes the most joyful letter to the church of Philippi, um, this chapter two is really about Christ's humility, and he begins talking about you know, doing nothing out of rivalry or vain conceit or selfishness or selfish ambition, but consider in humility that others are more significant. He says to pattern yourself after the attitude of Christ and then right on the heels of that, he says, hey, listen, do everything without complaining, arguing, grumbling. 
having this attitude, this mind of Christ is, is one of gratitude and appreciation, not one of grumbling or complaining or pessimism or cynicism. You know, earlier in my life, I was always the, the cynic and, and the critic and the skeptic, and, and I was really good at finding the things that were wrong. I um, am a detail-oriented person. I was kind of raised to be perfectionistic. I'm a recovering perfectionist, and, and I, I have an eye. I can like quickly spot the things that are wrong in, in anything. And I noticed how destructive that was on my relationships. And I didn't really realize it at first. And, and often I would pride myself for being, hey, I'm just being the voice of reason, which was a way of saying, hey, I'm just being the jerk, you know? And, and I used to like be really, really proud of, of being the person who could like find the thing that's wrong or, or being the skeptic or being the cynic or being the pessimist. And like, that was my superpower. Until I realized like none of those things are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, love, uh, faith, hope, love, the, the, the three basic Christian virtues. I realized like, wow, man, I grumble, I, I complain, I'm a pessimist, I'm a skeptic, I'm a cynic, and I'm proud of it, and I think I'm actually doing the body of Christ a favor, but actually I'm harming the body of Christ. Because at the end of the day, I, I, when I would see something or someone, instead of having an appreciation and, and having gratitude and giving thanks to God, even when it's not perfect, I went the other way and I found something to complain about, which is not hard to do. In uh, Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to close with this. You're welcome for the short sermon. Um, you know, Paul tells the, the church in Thessalonica in verse, in verse 16, chapter 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. But I want to highlight on this first sentences I read is, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in every circumstance. And as we, um, hopefully as a church, I, I pray, are, are coming out of this season of pandemic mode, and even though I, I, I still see that there's a health crisis, um, it seems that we're able to, to, to take some steps moving forward. In this past season, this past year, there's been so much heartache, whether it's through all the relationships that have been lost and fractured because of political polarization or because of the racial and social upheaval or because of um, somehow getting in fights over masks or no masks or vaccine or no vaccine or, or just the, the world has changed. The words of 1 Thessalonians 5 ring out to me is to rejoice always. And maybe you're watching or listening and you're like worn out, or you're weary and you're, or you're tired, you're exhausted, you're burnt out, you're at the end. I totally get it. I know that feeling all too well. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Pray. Ha, ha, and maintain a connection with God. And sometimes that praying 
doesn't involve words. It's just being present to what God is doing. And then last, which it being Thanksgiving week is super applicable, give thanks in all circumstances. Not give thanks in the circumstances that we prefer, but give thanks in all circumstances. Paul is not saying that we should give thanks for all circumstances. He's saying we should give thanks in all circumstances. For example, as we look at the world, we look at our culture, we look at the things that bother us or, or burden us or are, are depressing to us or, or cause worry or anxiety or fear in us, um, uh, we are not asked to give thanks for evil or for suffering or for pain, but we are asked to give thanks in the midst of evil in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, which is obviously easier said than done, I know. And yet I'm challenged with it, is to, no matter what's going on, no matter how you're processing change or how you're processing the last couple of years or how you're processing your life in general, rejoice always, pray all, all the time, and give thanks in all circumstances. So I want to ask you this question. In what area are you most struggling right now? Uh, like, like, is there a, a, a part of your life that is just super painful? Is there a part of your story that, that the Lord's working on that is super painful? Maybe you're grieving a, a massive loss. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're still reeling from all of the division that has happened because of political polarization and the likes. Um, maybe you're just trying to process the change that's happened over the last two years or even the change that our church is walking through. You, you, you know, you I think you could figure out an area of your life that is just super painful. And I want to ask you, are you able to, in that, give thanks to God? Maybe not for it, but can you give thanks in it? The last year I've been... Um, seeing a, 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 a real, like a highly specialized counselor who's super expensive, who, who specializes in um, helping people who have come out of ministry environments that are abusive. And what I discovered was I, I, I've, I've either worked for or been underneath uh, six or seven pastors in the last 20 years who were um, either spiritually or emotionally abusive to me. And, um, you know, after six or seven, you start to go, wait a minute, I'm really good at finding these jokers. And so um, I, I was recommended to go to this, this, um, this specialist, and uh, I think I've talked about this many times, but um, pretty early on in our sessions, he would work with me on like, hey, Drew, I, I get that this was painful. I get that this was heartbreaking. I get that this was hard. Um, why don't you try giving thanks to God for it <laughs> or, or giving thanks to God in it and, uh, and, and, and allowing God to bring you to that place Joseph got in Genesis 50, 50, where, or Genesis 50, I don't remember the verse, but where, where Joseph is able to look at his brother and say, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And at first I thought, why am I paying you 200 plus dollars an hour 
to tell me to be thankful, <laughs> you know? But a, a year in, I, I tell you, friends, he, he's right. You know, as um, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the exhaustion is, no matter what the heartache is, not to minimize it. But when we're able to get to the place where regardless of circumstances, we can rejoice in the Lord, we can pray, and we can give thanks to God in all circumstances. And Paul's writing this from prison. And so like, as hard as this is, we're not doing this from a prison cell, you know, most of us. There's so much wisdom in that. So as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, um, I wanna encourage you to, to not just think of Thanksgiving as turkey and Dallas Cowboys probably losing and maybe not, I don't know. You, you get the point. I wanna encourage you to really give gratitude a stare. And where in your life, and in particularly the painful or the disappointment parts of life, can you stand there and in the pain and the suffering and the weariness and the burnt out, burnt outness and the burnout, actually give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I uh, hope to be able to see you next week um, at our new location on Eisenhower Road uh, at Grace Northridge at 11.15 to just kind of walk through this space. We're not gonna do a service. We're just gonna kind of be there, be with each other, kick the tires, sniff things around, kind of see what God may be up to and, and perhaps pray. And then uh, the following week, the first Sunday of December, we hope and our intention is to um, enter into a new season, in a new place, in a new rhythm, at a new time, reflecting on the advent of our Lord and the nativity in that time where heaven touched earth. Until then, my friends, peace.